Hi, y'all. I'm back from vacation in Japan and ready to get back to business on giving you guys tips on living a smart life. For example, here's a brilliant tip if you're planning an upcoming vacation to Japan. It comes from my brother who I was visiting and who has lived outside Osaka for four years. First of all, if you're going on vacation in Japan or any other non English speaking country, but you're looking at English language restaurant reviews, guess who else is also looking at those exact same restaurants? Every other English speaking tourist. To find the great places locals hang out, use Google Translate to turn food phrases like pizza or burgers or ramen or sushi into the local language or Japanese characters in this case. Then copy those into Tabalog. Tabalog? I'm not sure how you pronounce it, but it's the Japanese version of Yelp, only much, much more discriminating. Generally, any restaurant you find with a rating of 3.5 or more in Japan is very, very good. Head there and you might find an under the radar pearl. If you don't have a trip to Japan planned anytime soon, don't despair. On this episode, Peter Martin and Alex George give a whole rundown of the Popular Mechanics Holiday Gift Guide. Roy talks about defeating bedbugs, which might be easier than you think. And the tech team debates the merits of Google Fi now that they'll let you use an iPhone. Oh, and the testing table gets into the Japanese candy. Kampai, y'all! I'm your host, Jacqueline Detweiler, and you're listening to the most useful podcast ever. It is holiday gift giving season, and I always have a tough time figuring out what people want, particularly men. I was actually talking to my mom the other day, and she said, Men are hard to gift, and I believe that's true because I, I feel、fair. like you, it's true. Because, Everyone is hard to get gifts for. Well, maybe, but I feel like women, if you don't know a woman that well, like you can usually do pretty well with body cleansing things or lotions or candles, or there's a lot of like. Capitalism is good to women with lots of little things that just are easy to buy for people. It's true. But men are tougher. So, all right. I give in. You give in. You're, you're <laughs>、yeah. like, I'm going to fight. You know, I'm going to fight. <laughs> so, this is Alex and Peter who did our gift guide this year. Alex did more of the tech stuff. No, no surprise. And Peter did more of the lifestyle y stuff. So, are these things that you guys want? Like, how did you put this together? Well, so for the not techie things, we just talk to people around the office too, because everybody's trying all this stuff all year long and、yeah. find amazing things. And so James is doing all these things for the life and for the outdoor stories. So he had stuff. Alex had a cool random Lego Bugatti that takes four hours to、Lego、put together.、Bugatti? He doesn't have one, right? No. no that, that was in the, so a lot of it is just <laughs> stuff we end up testing or we see online that we wanted, that we think would be really cool. And I think it was coming out right when the magazine was coming out. but... It's a Lego version of the Bugatti Chiron. It's this million dollar supercar. The Lego kit for it, it's like three feet long and it just takes up like an entire space in your desk. It's so much cooler than I thought it would be when you talked about it. So, like, what ages are we talking about here? Is this like a teenager, preteen? Oh, I, so I, or an adult. So, okay, <laughs> we didn't have to build this one, which I got asked a little bit because, like, Lego, for photos, they have super glued pre assembled versions of it. And I was like, we, come on, like, we could just build something like that. But then I remembered we had a Lego Ferrari F40. They do like reissues of really cool old cars a lot of the time. Like they do a Lego version of it. There was a Ferrari that I, F40 that I built that was like a quarter the size of this. It took me like three nights of dedicated <laughs> building it. I think I'm reasonably spatially aware. So I'm, like, I'm glad they have one ready for us. Yeah. I mean, I remember. At like the Lego store at Disney. I grew up in Orlando, if, you, if you're a new listener. And they have like a dedicated builder who like builds stuff for them. They have several probably. Makes sense. Yeah. It's probably a very fine skill. I bet it's a fun job. Yeah. So it's not for small kids, but I don't know. It's almost like a、uh, extremely cool puzzle that you can leave like in the middle of somewhere and have people. Oh, that'd be really fun. Yeah, that'd be、oh, a fun、true. puzzle. Yeah. yeah. And then it's also basically a model. The way that all the things work and you hit the gear shift and it、oh, it'll it move. Yeah. She s h i f t s gear. Every the, the, single thing. How much does that cost? $350? $350. Bucks. Wow, that's、yeah. a lot. How many hours?、Legos. It's probably cost more in time to put it together. Yeah. yeah. But once it's done, it seems so cool、it's、to put cool. on your shelf. Yeah. yeah. 
So there we did one. There's one good gift. <laughs> one good gift. It's a good gift. Let's see. What was one of the other good ones that we did? There's one great one that I've actually been testing out since then that Henry in our research department recommended. It's the Eddie Bauer BC Evertherm Down Jacket. Ooh. But the cool thing about this jacket is that it doesn't have the quilting of a down jacket the way there are always the puff coats and there's the all the seams on the outside. Oh, yeah. So yeah Henry, kind of cross-hatching that yeah. most of them have. Uh-huh. And Henry apparently tears up every seam on a jacket. This jacket has no seams on the outside because the down isn't in the little compartments. It's in things called baffles, which are just basically sheets oh. of down on the inside. Oh, smart. Um, cool. And it's cool because you don't feel Michelin Manny in yeah. it. It's super warm, but it's really thin and it just looks kind of cool because it doesn't look like a puffy coat. Right. It's 500 bucks. You have to really love the person you're buying it for. Yeah. But it's a great coat and it feels so much lighter weight than so the winter jacket yourself, I wear all the time. you definitely really love yourself. Yes. Right. That's like the idea. Yes. One for you <laughs> and one for me. I, mean, I do think half of people's gift buying is for themselves, unless that's I just can me. Never, the way I restrict my spending is by not going into stores so I don't ever want anything. <laughs> so then when I have to go into stores to buy stuff for people, I'm like, no, I want this for <laughs> me. And I think stores probably know that. Yeah. Yeah. Alex, you want to be next? Yeah. So I'll talk about headphones. We were talking earlier that a lot of the hype around new tech is phones, but you can't really buy somebody a phone. It's (laughs) kind of a weird thing to get somebody. But headphones, pretty much everybody can use. So for the last five years or so, I've always worn the Bose noise-canceling QC35 headphones. Those are the noise-canceling ones that half of every flight that you get onto will probably have people with them. Sony this year came out with these headphones, and unfortunately, all of Sony's product names are like fax machine names. So <laughs> this is the Sony WH-1000XM3. That right, is so, terrible. I know, That's right? like a, a terrible market. Just call it the Steve or that's something like a, That's like a <laughs> right? free password, like the password they give you when you get to college. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Promo code for, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that headphone is the best headphone I've tried in forever. So the noise canceling is as good as the Bose. It's got this processor that knows exactly how to know an ambient noise. It charges with USB-C. So like the same plug that you can charge new MacBook laptops with, you can use to charge this thing when you're traveling. It's super comfortable. It's really lightweight. You can wear it for hours and hours and hours and just completely forget about it. They're awesome. Awesome. Anything else? Yeah, we've got more. We always have more. We always have more. I was going to say, this is like a lot of, you guys had a lot in this package. James had one that he loved. Otterbox came out with a new bag called the Yampa Dry Duffel. And it's It's actually a very cool looking duffel bag that has an extension on the top for the dry bag part. But what's amazing about it is most dry bags, if you've ever tried to zip them, are the worst. Just like you need to have... Because the zipper is like so... They're so tough to uh-huh. be fully waterproof. Yeah. And this one actually pulls like a regular zipper oh. and protects all your stuff and the same is, way. And this is, is it still the like plasticky looking, like that kind of... The top is, but you can actually roll that down. And then the base, the round, you know, the cylindrical part of it yeah. looks like a very cool textured duffel bag that you wouldn't be embarrassed to throw oh, a, that's cool. in a trunk for a weekend trip or something. It doesn't uh, look like, oh, just so you guys know, I'm going scuba diving. This thing. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a kayaker, just so you know. Yeah. But it is tough because James throws it in the back of his truck and just goes wherever and it has lived through. And then too, if it rains, who cares? He's fine. Yeah. yeah. Should we do a cheap thing? Because that was 250 so maybe we should, yeah, we should go with one of Roy's skewing, favorites. Skewing Talk to about fancy. Roy's $3 I love whenever Roy says, I've never seen a tool like this, because then it's just like, this has got to be a good like thing. history gets made. <laughs> right. Can you also say, he's seen every tool that there is. So the Craftsman multi-bit four-way pen, it's a magnetic screwdriver. It's probably three or four inches long. It's $3 and has the different tips in it, and it just fits in your pocket, uh-huh. and it's great. Wait, it has a bunch of different... It just has different Phillips and slot screw heads in it, and... Everybody needs one. Right. It's I like any time to have one at work. Anytime you just like need a screwdriver for some silly little task, yeah. like you have it in your pocket and it's like a little thing. I've always thought like, okay, I have the one thing 
I have that screwdriver. That's all I need. Yeah. But then just at the office, in the car, out in my pocket or something like that, it's worth, if something costs $3, it's totally worth it to have <laughs> that, like multiples of them around. Right. Because we'd put one in our desk downstairs so that it just sucks when you try to go find a multi-tool and like there's one upstairs, yeah. but there's not one where you are. You put yeah, one, one in the for car. the glove box. Yeah. That's, I love the little things And like for $3, that. you can be very generous. You can get these for everybody. I started talking about that. I'm like, you know, I need one for the yacht, one for the summer house. <laughs> and I'm like, but no, like, this comes up. I know it, there are times when you wish you had one and you don't. So it's worth buying multiples. Can we do one more? Sorry, there's just yeah, so many good do, things in no, here. No, let's do one more. This is if you have somebody who kind of wants to make their own stuff. Roy found this cool Lee Valley and Veritas Japanese knife making kit. And Ooh. as I know, you're a, are a Japanophile now. I am now, a, a new after Japanophile. After our taste test yesterday. Yeah. You make your own handle. It comes with beechwood that you can shape to fit your hand exactly. Uh-huh. And just like a nice honed carbon so like steel whittle, blade. whittle it sort of. Yeah. I mean, uh-huh. it comes in the rough set. Like, you know, it's basically handle shaped uh-huh. in a block of wood. And then you form it to fit your hand. 60 bucks. You get a nice knife when you're that done. That is cool. Um, That's a really, cool idea. I've yeah. never held a, a knife handle that was not completely uncomfortable. Right. Although really? there's a lot of pressure on you. I'm going to shave it down here. Oh, no. Need another knife. $60 down the drain. I did not work on this package, but can I just talk about my boyfriend recently bought me an amazing product uh, and I love it so much. And I'm just going to put it in the podcast gift guide right now. It's the OXO Good Grips 3-in-1 Avocado Slicer. And it is amazing. It's amazing. It's $10. I've been cutting avocados for so long. And you know, you do like the stupid trick where you like yeah. hit the avocado with the knife pit blade. with the knife and you pull it out. Yeah. And like it works, but it's like you got to like hit it exactly right. You got to right. try not to and slice you yourself in the hand. Knife you're swinging your a knife hands. at your hand. And then like once you get it out, then you got to pull it off and it's right. slippery and that's crazy. Then you've got to scoop it out and chop it up. Y'all, no, you don't have to. I feel like I'm an infomercial. We're at a friend's house and they use this and it was like, oh, you want to see how to get an avocado? It was like avocado from Cado to a bowl of salad in like 30 seconds. I was like, what is happening? Diced or cubed or whatever? So it slices it. So like one side looks like jail cell bars. Like an egg cutter? Yes, it's like an egg cutter, but you just scrape it. So basically like you cut around in a circle, split the avocado in two, and then you use this little, it's got a round thing with three, I don't even know how to describe this on a podcast. (laughs) It's It's a a circle with like three prongs and you just hook it into the pit pit. and it grabs the pit straight out, pit comes straight off. And then you take the jail cell egg cutter side and scrape it along the thing. Bam. I made guacamole in like a minute. So... I was just on my phone looking because there's this thing going on the internet of people are getting into the emergency room with avocado hand because they're slicing their hands. <laughs> is actually, it an while avocado doing hand, it. yeah. Yeah. I mean, I use Save a paring knife to do that, which is pretty small and pretty hard to. If you're using a chef's knife or something and banging down, that's what your I normally use. But I still you're much tougher than I am. But I'm a cook, and I normally am like, oh, I don't need your stupid little stupid gadget. <laughs> slap chop. <laughs> yeah, I don't need your stupid slap chop. I don't have a salad spinner. I don't have any of that crap. Oh, salad spinners, you need. Well, I don't have. I haven't bought you a gift yet. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) But this avocado thing, y'all, check it out. I feel like I'm in the doctor's office. I sit down. And what is your problem, Mister (laughs) Bounzon? Why? I don't know. I'm just sitting here. You know, it feels kind of like clinical with these tiles on the wall. When were you first hallucinating? <laughs> well, today's topic is bed bugs. So when were you, uh, <laughs> yeah, when ben, were you having the bed bug problem? The bed bug nightmare it keeps <laughs> reoccurring. So I am pretty scared of bed bugs. It's like a New York City 
horror movie is, you know, somebody says they have bed bugs and everyone's like, <gasps> we're not scared of much here, but we are scared of bed bugs. Yeah, and, they, they are creepy. Yeah. I think they're creepier in some respects than cockroaches and rats even. Well, no, rats are I would creepy. rather have rats. I'd rather not have rats, but I'd rather have rats than bed bugs. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah I think here's the thing. First of all, bed bugs have a, a well-earned reputation for creepiness. They bite people when they're asleep, you know. Like it's vampires. Like, right. Yeah, exactly. And there's all of the discussion there. Very difficult. They're impossible to eradicate and all this other stuff. Yeah, that's the scary part to me is it's like once you get them. Yeah, you yeah, them. you can't get rid bed of them. Bed bugs are forever. Right. Well, it turns out that a really bad infestation might require a professional but you hate to even use the term insecticide. This is a very chemical-sensitive society we're living in, and with partially good reason. Mm -hmm. However, bed bugs, by the way, most of them are not chemically resistant. Mm. Uh, there are some that have proven resistance to a synthetic form of pyreth pyrethrum, is derived from the chrysanthemum flower. Oh. Yeah, they discovered that this powdered substance from the chrysanthemum was an insecticide, and it, it's proved over the years. So now they synthesize this, and, and it turns out that some bed bugs are tolerant of pyrethroids. Most of them are not. In any case, the chemical insecticide community has a, a range of products that will work very well, on bed bugs and eradicate them. Could you just buy this at the store, like ant or wasp killer, or are you yes, like, yeah. oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, in fact, you can go to a well-stocked, in some cases, a hardware store, in some cases, a home center. You look in the insecticides, you're going to see something. In some cases, ordinary, what are called broad-spectrum insecticides, will also kill bed bugs. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of that gets to the concentration. You don't want to just start hosing down the inside of your house with any sort of like general purpose insecticide. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, if you're treating your bed, yeah, I mean, but, I, like you got to be careful with that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. It sounds trite. Follow the directions on the label. More insecticide is not necessarily better. Uh-huh. It's like shooting a mouse with an elephant gun. I mean, literally. Wouldn't be a lot of mouse left. Yeah, wouldn't be a lot of mouse left. You'd have a gigantic hole in your wall or floor <laughs> or even the foundation. But these are insecticides. You do have to be careful applying them. That's only part of it, however. If you read any information about bed bugs, and I come back to this again and again with people, there's something called the Cooperative Extension Service. Land-grant colleges will often have this thing as part of their operation called a Cooperative Extension Office. That's an office that helps people. It started out as an agricultural thing. Now, Cooperative Extension Offices help people with all kinds of stuff. Usually it's property related. A lot of those cooperative extension offices have done great research on things like killing bed bugs. Weird. Yeah. Well, and it turns out that some of the best information out there, because they're not trying to sell you anything. Uh -huh. All they're trying to do is inform you on whatever, weeds, how to raise chickens, whatever. They don't have an axe to grind. Mm -hmm. And many times these are entomologists. They're people that are used to or study plants, soils, insects, weather. So there's great information available from them. What I did in researching this story, I should say one of the things I did, was I looked up a whole bunch of cooperative extension offices to see what research was available, what works on bed bugs. Mm -hmm. It turns out there's a whole bunch of stuff. And so then you look at the products that they were mentioning, 
and you look at the MSDS, which is the material safety data sheet for each of these, and you find out, you know what, this isn't a magic bullet, this is standard insecticides. Mm -hmm. Many of these insecticides are things that have been around for a while. They're pretty straightforward for even homeowners to use. Again, you are using an insecticide here. This is not mouthwash, you know. Right. I mean, you do have to so be careful with it. do you treat your bed? What do, you, what do yeah, you... Yeah, I mean, in some cases, the surest means of eradication is to remove the clothing from the affected room, vacuum the drapes, vacuum every crevice, and then chemically treat with insecticide, as much as you hate to say it. They prefer crevices, and mm -hmm. like beds often will have a quilted surface that you get into all of those crevices that conceal them. Mm -hmm. If you don't treat every square inch of that room, well, even the outlets, believe it or not. Really? Yeah. And the, I've heard furniture, too. They yeah, can be furniture. furniture. You, yeah, you got to take the drawers out. You've got to empty the contents of the drawer. All of that clothing has to be washed. The drawers themselves need to be vacuumed. It's best if you either turn the furniture upside down and vacuum so you can wow. observe it or lay it on its back, vacuum the thing. Yeah. Now, if you find one, some cooperative extension offices will have like, this is a bed bug, this is a tick, this is a flea. Mm -hmm. This is, And when you look at that thing, oh, okay, I don't have a bed bug, it's this other thing. Since the rise in bed bug infestations in some cities and in certain quarters... There's been like a phobia. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff crawling around in New York and bites you, you know, without being a bed bug. Right. So you do have to be mindful of that. And you don't want to necessarily go overboard and treat your entire house when you may not have bed bugs at all. Mm -hmm. Do your due diligence first. Be sure that you're dealing with bed bugs and then proceed accordingly. Right. And you can call a professional, right? That's no, an absolutely. And they'll yeah. just lead you through all this. Yeah. I mean, some pest control companies have specialists, guys that are better at dealing with fill in the blank, bats, squirrels, whatever. <laughs> Some of them have guys that are just the insect guys. Some of them are more broad, pest-oriented. Their advertisement will tell you a lot about what they're used to dealing with, what they're best equipped to deal with, and you go from there. This isn't rocket science. Any decently trained pest technician can deal with bed bugs. Yeah. We had some ants in my house one time because I left out a ripe pineapple. We live on the fourth floor. I don't know where the heck they came from. I don't know how they got in there. Yeah. But they tried to eat that pineapple and I had a line of them coming from where the, the hole near the radiator and I flipped out yeah. for like a week and a half and they're all dead now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's gross. Pests are gross. You yeah. know. I mean, I had some ants mysteriously in a house years ago. Turns out they marched up a pin oak tree on the outside of the house, marched along a branch. The branch touched the windowsill. There was a tiny... The ants are smart, man. Absolutely. Tiny, tiny gap in the storm window. And the ants, I mean, literally marched in, in a line, through the window, down the wall, and into the house. I'm like, where are these ants coming from? Or, you know, we're going crazy all over. And I was like, wait a minute, there's got to be something's going on. <laughs> Well, as soon as I fixed that and then I followed the line outside, opened the window, I'm like, oh, okay, there's a tree branch with ants on it. <laughs> Had to cut off the branch, make an ant moat. An ant moat, yeah. Well, I mean, it's true. Once I cut off that branch, that was the end of the ant problem. Yeah, right there. <laughs> Prune the branch properly, folks, by the way, and you can see that at a cooperative extension website. <laughs> You get it all here. You got depths and depths of insect knowledge. Oh, thanks. Yeah, well, I've pruned a lot of tree branches and I've dealt with a lot of ants and other pests over the years. So <laughs> what are you going to do? Well, I'm calling you if I ever get bedbugs. Okay, you're on. <laughs>
It's time again for your favorite segment, Doormat Facts. Doormat Ooh, Facts. Doormat Facts. We've yeah. done Matt Facts before, but Doormat Facts, I think it's like a little different. Yeah, I think it's different. It's more yeah. figurative. Right. Well, so I started with a literal doormat and I was like, what's the etymology of doormat? And Wikipedia <laughs> just like savagely burned me. It was like door plus mat. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> well, there's a door, you idiot. <laughs> you put a mat in front of it. It's like, why do you have to search this? But yeah, in the non-literal sense. Okay, so here's your first fact. I was like, oh, it's a euphemism. No. The grammatical term for like the rhetorical device of what you mean when you call someone a doormat is antiprosopopoeia. Wait, what? Yeah. So it's the etymology of that. Prosopopoeia is basically like a formal word for personification. So you like give inanimate objects like human characteristics. And so antiprosopopoeia is the reverse of that where you... Right. So it's like if you call someone a doormat or like a tank or like a pistol or a garbage fire, like you're giving them like the characteristics of an inanimate object. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So I did not learn that in my 10th grade English class. but (laughs) Well, I learned it in my whatever grade English class this is. Yeah. <laughs> and your most useful podcast. My most useful yes. podcast ever 30, continuing education. year continuing education. <laughs> yeah. 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 You should get a certificate for that. We all should. Okay. So some doormat news for you guys. Oh, uh, I'm surprised that that exists. Yeah. So there's a fun story out of Louisiana in early October when an alligator lay down right in front of someone's door and like tried to camouflage themselves as a doormat. <laughs> Somebody kept probably came out and was like, oh, this is squishy. I, yeah. It's like a 700-pound alligator. Yeah. Like, it's not really that subtle. It's like when your dog thinks he's a lap dog. And <laughs> yeah. you're like, dog, you're huge. What yeah, are you but doing? also, like, the alligator probably wanted to eat someone. So it's a little more well, nefarious than right. that. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. I have a fun doormat oh. personal fact. Really? Uh, Please yeah. share. Yeah. So when I used to drive a car, I lived in North Carolina, and I ordered a replacement license plate. Like, I needed a new license plate for whatever reason. I can't remember. It, like, was expired or whatever. I needed a new one. And it showed up, and for some reason, the delivery person put it underneath my doormat. It's flat, right? So they put it underneath my doormat and didn't tell me about it. And so then I couldn't find this thing, and they were like, we delivered it. And I was like, no, you didn't. It's not here. And it was like six months of me fighting with the DMV, had an issue, another one. It was like, it was a license plate. It was pretty serious. And I don't know what happened. Somebody kicked the doormat or whatever, and it was revealed that there was a Oh, package wow. underneath it and it was my missing license plate that had been there for <laughs> six months. I have one more for you guys. If, okay. If we have time. We do. Just this month I read about this artist residency that's going on in London and it's this Italian artist named Alex Urso who is basically wandering around London with brand new doormats knocking on people's doors and asking if they want to trade doormats with him. And he's using that as like, it's like an art project. He's collecting the doormats and then like making it into like some sort of mosaic. But he's using it art. to gauge like <laughs> how, how open people are. <laughs> what kind of door? Does he have- I'm not actually really offended by this, but if every once in a while you hear about an art project where it's like, this is why people who think art is stupid and worthless think <laughs> art is stupid and worthless. Like trading doormats. Well, for every person who is rude to him, he's putting like the doormat face down. So it's very You're going to get a face down doormat, Kevin. But OK, so no, he, I would trade for hating here's art. Here's the interesting part about this art project, Kevin. Also, wait, hold on. Just first off, <laughs> they can just flip the doormat over. Yeah, but no, he no, put no, it in his mosaic, in his art piece. Oh, yeah, come on. <laughs> come on. So because Brexit is still like sort of being negotiated in the UK, he is like also using this to test the waters between like places that voted to remain and places that voted to leave. And he's found that, surprisingly, the response to, like, just opening a door and trading doormats with a stranger in the people who wanted to leave the EU were more willing to talk to him, which is not what I would have I wouldn't have thought that either. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. 
So, Dormat Facts. Cool. That's been Dormat Facts. Yeah. And Art Opinions. And Art, and art Opinions. opinions. <laughs> From Kevin. So we were just sitting in here and Alex and Peter started having an actual we real discussion. We turned soon. off the mics and then you guys were like, what do you think about Google Fi? And that went on for like 10 minutes. And I was like, guys, this is real talk. Let's this recreate is, that. This brilliant. is tech editor real talk between the two of you who've both been tech editors at various points. So what is the news here? There's news about Google Fi. So editor Eric Limer wrote a sorry for the web about this. So Google Fi, which is this Google's wireless carrots, so Google's Verizon, T-Mobile, AT&T. This wireless service, you used to only be able to get on certain Android phones. Like uh, three of them, right? There's yeah. Like a couple really, of pixels and one other thing. But now they just open it up to a whole bunch of phones, including iPhones. Oh. So it means that a whole bunch of people can start using it. What are the benefits of this thing? Like, why would you do it? I was just going to say, I was so excited when I saw Eric's post and heard this news because Alex hooked me on five a year ago or something when we went abroad and, you know, you can pay, I have AT&T, you can pay them like 10 bucks a day to have the same service that you do at home, but abroad. And that I was there for eight days. I don't pay $80 just to be able to like call the Airbnb host, but he loaned me a pixel with Fi and it was the greatest thing ever. Cause you get off the plane, turn on the phone. It says, it looks like you're in Ireland. We have service here and it's just on and it works. Wow. You pay the same that you paid for data at home versus data there. There is a cost for calls to Ireland. Most of them are about 10 cents a minute, which who cares? So you're calling the country you're in. It's much cheaper than if I turned on my AT&T phone and did it that way. Mm-hmm. And calls home are free, which is kind of weird. Oh. So the base price of it is for every line that you have with Google Fi for Google SIM card, it's 20 bucks flat for unlimited talking and texting. If certain country overlaps, it will charge you. Like, I didn't know if it was with Ireland. And they give the caveat, like, yeah, it can change pretty quickly between which country. And then beyond that, you pay 10 bucks for every gigabyte of data that you use. So it, you're, like, looking at how much you're using. But like you said, the big difference is you can use it in the United States and go to Ireland, Japan. Pretty much uh, every, it's like, 200 countries or something. It's insane, yeah. And there's no price increase if you use it there. But even just if without that, if you don't travel a lot... I Love this idea of, you know, Jack, you were saying you $110 a month. I <laughs> am an, I'm an idiot. Uh, no, I, okay. I am a victim of AT&T. I was an original, one of those unlimited data people. I right. got my unlimited data plan back in like 2002 or something terrible. And they didn't care. And I don't think, well, they didn't and care. And there was not a lot to stream then either. Right, or whatever year data, it was. Yeah. And they've just gradually bumped up the price year after year after year after year. And I just take it. I just sit here and take <laughs> it. And I have unlimited data and I'm like, I feel like I constantly talk to Alex. I'm like, I have a great deal. I have unlimited days. Like, no, you don't. You are being scalped by AT&T. And so I've got to fix something. I don't know what it is. Today's going to be the day. Maybe it is because I'm over it. Like, it's crazy. They're just destroying me. Well, maybe Alex, you were talking about one of the benefits of Fi is that it shifts from whatever. They have a deal with multiple different carriers. Yes. And so they just grab whatever cell tower is closest with the strongest signal. It's so. uh, I remember we had Google Fi and Tech of the Year a couple of years ago. And it was invite only. And I, to this day, I still... Can't quite explain it exactly, but basically it uses the cell phone towers that power Sprint, T-Mobile, and U.S. Cellular. So if you're for talking about people in the United States, and then it'll switch between whichever one has the strongest signal as you're going around. In the times I've been using it over the years, I haven't been many places in the United States that haven't had a decent signal for it. And the thing I was just telling you, too, is that I have T-Mobile. I have an awesome deal with T-Mobile, but... T-Mobile's <laughs> terrible indoors. Great deal. You just can't use your phone. Seriously. <laughs> great great yeah. deal. So you're, you're screwed in an opposite way from me. I mean, I justify it. They're like, you know, I have I'm Wi-Fi no but yeah. It's, yeah, it's really annoying. I mean, it's going to be just generally an upgrade. Like the general thing I explain is that Verizon more or less in the United States has like, you're going to have the most bars with that. Really? More than AT&T? 
Yeah. I mean, their network is still the most expansive. And certainly is Verizon for the more bars in more places? Is that their yeah. slogan? That's what I think. Yeah. I think so, yeah. I confidently answered that. And <laughs> like, yes, it <laughs> no, is. Wait no, maybe. Wait a minute. But yeah, it, so it uses multiple networks. And then the other part of it, the other selling point too, is that they'll use available Wi-Fi networks. So it's called voice over IP where you make calls through the internet, like the way Skype works. So it'll use Wi-Fi to make calls instead of using cellular data. Mm. So the idea is that you save data even there as well. Could I interrupt with a tip for anyone who does not have Wi-Fi calling activated on their phone? You got to turn it on. My friend texted me the other day. I was like, why did I not know this? They have no service in most parts of their house. And then he turned it on and then it just does what Alex is talking about. It goes over to VoIP when you have bad. How do you turn it on? Just go in your settings and it says enable Wi-Fi calling. Uh And so whenever you're in a place with weak service, it just Mm -hmm. shifts to Wi-Fi if it's available. And so now he can make calls not only from the corner of their dining room, but in other parts (laughs) of his house as well. Wow. Would that work if you have an iPhone and you turn on your Wi-Fi in another country, you can get texts? Because mm-hmm. it's like the over the... Oh, iMessage, yeah. iMessages. If you have Wi-Fi calling enabled, could you call somebody from there? From yes. You could? Yes. Oh. One of Wi-Fi calling's drawbacks is it'll drop out every once in a while. It's not as reliable as having a really strong cell tower connection, right. but it completely works, yeah. Wow, that's yeah. cool. The other thing that Fi in their advertisement they mentioned clearly because the new people would ask is that iMessage works on it. Oh, so as right. long as you're connected to data, you can still use iMessage. You won't send green text. Can you have a CDMA phone like from Verizon? Okay, or do okay. you need, what sorry, is a CDMA phone? The, you, can't, you can't talk in tech <laughs> either. You gotta stop. There's two main types of phones. Okay. One's GSM, which is like AT&T and T-Mobile. No, AT&T uh, and uh, Sprint. I forget what it is, but... Um, I'm a I, lapsed tech editor here. I'm pretty, doing pretty bad. Yeah, what do you... Um, did you even do this for a living? <laughs> and then CDMA is the other that Verizon is on. Yeah, it's T-Mobile and AT&T Wait, were these always like GSM. types of phone? Like, what do you mean? Yeah, like for a long time, it meant you had a SIM card oh, or you didn't. Oh. And so now I'm not sure what it means. Like, if you have a Verizon iPhone right now, you probably have to go check out Fi's list of phones that it'll work with to see yeah, if you can do it. Yeah, it has to do with the bandwidth frequency that you use to connect oh. to everything. And it, I got to double check this, but I think that that used to be a thing like five or so years ago. Now, a lot of modern smartphones will work with both. Okay. So you don't have to work, like, if you put in whatever SIM card and that, and you can take it to different countries. Because it used to be, like, phones in the UK were GSM only or CDMA only. But now a lot of phones will work with both and just adapt to whatever SIM card you have in there. So they're a little bit more flexible now. Yeah. Is this a sign, I mean, are we going to an era where we're going to have, like, slightly cheaper cell service the way that they do in, like, Europe? Oh, that'd be wonderful. I don't know if we're... Like, are we on the way to that or is this just kind of yeah. like yeah. Gets into regulation, net neutrality, all that kind of thing. But uh, okay. I remember, I think when I first started working here, somebody was sending me a press release for a phone that used only Wi-Fi. So it was just, the idea was like, hey, Starbucks has You're Wi-Fi. always close enough. Right, yeah. And it was, you know, you pay for, I don't know, figure out what the phone costs, but you just pay that and then you never pay again. Right. Oh. I mean... I mean, that's what I do when I go to other countries normally. I mean, when I was in Japan, we used a Google Fi phone to get around, which was indispensable, to be honest. But like, (laughs) apart from that, I normally just put my phone into airplane mode, turn the Wi-Fi on. And it's honestly kind of relaxing in a way because you don't check stuff all the time. Problem would be when you're driving somewhere. Right. You want to call somebody or use your... Well, getting around. That's what we needed the Google Fi phone. Yeah. Yeah. But But otherwise, yeah, that Wi-Fi phone would be perfect because you just sit at home when you make most of your phone calls. Yeah. Or you could get a landline. That's true. So what's that's... your choice now, Alex? Do you think you're going to go with the Google Fi? Or... I'm very ready to do it. I am so not looking forward to whatever customer service phone call I have to have with T-Mobile to break up with them. Oh, that I, yeah. That I'll, I'm sure I'll put it off longer than I really should. Can you just break up with them over text? 
Shit, right? <laughs> you could, can, you, can you ghost, can you ghost them? <laughs> you can't. That's not polite. You shouldn't do that. No. Yeah, it'll hurt your credit score, too. Right there. Score. <laughs> right, ghosting and a financial responsibility is not the same. Yeah, I can't do that. So we should switch to FI? Uh, we can't really endorse FI with that blanket of a statement. What? I think I want to do it. You think you're going to do it? I was actually, FI was good enough that it almost convinced me to switch to a Pixel from an iPhone after being so hooked on iOS. Right. And so now that I don't even have to do that, possibly... I feel like that's the last barrier that's the last for me. Barrier. Yeah. The other question is, once everybody joins, is it going to be one of those things where like everyone joins and then they're like, by the way, now right. it's it does $100. Seem like that. You know what I mean? They were, like they were like, oh, you can only get on it if you have an Android. We're going to beta test it this way. Oh, just kidding. You can get on it if you have an iPhone. Everyone's like, my God, let's get it. And then they're going to, I mean, I just don't trust big companies. Well, man. and if too many people start using this Fi service to take, I mean, I have no idea what sort of agreements they have worked out that they take a little bit from Sprint and T-Mobile and US Cellular. But right. if so many of us get excited and switch to that, these are not big networks. And then we overwhelm them and our service is bad. And we really wish we had our old buddies at AT&T back. Yeah. They're like, you won't find better than me. <laughs> and you'd come crawling back. <laughs> I think that it's not going to happen too quickly. Making somebody change from an existing service that they have is tough. Right. And like Jackie with her $115. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. And also, I, like, I don't shame me. I feel like we're going to get a bunch of like emails that are like, you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm trying to imagine telling my mom, like, okay, we're going to switch to this new plan. <laughs> Here's how it works. Seems like you just want to hand her the phone that you've already fixed and she won't care after that. that yeah, might have to be yeah, the way yeah just do set it. up, you be just... like, don't change any of the settings. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's it. But yeah, I'm excited. I, over the next couple of days, I'm going to be taking my Fi SIM card that I have and I'll be trying it out, just walking around, see if how it does for it. I was going to ask if the SIM for my Pixel would fit in the SIM for my iPhone it does. 7. Yeah, I, yeah, that's what I'm using. Yeah, I'm using a Fi SIM card that I got a couple oh. of years ago. Maybe I'll do this too. Yeah. The only well, we, problem well, maybe is we can have an update. Check back in. Yeah, we'll check back in. Yeah. Cool. To <laughs> see who's still on their original. <laughs> probably, probably none of us. <laughs> right. So can I, I interrupt you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, so so Jack is back. I, I don't know if you guys noticed, I'm back. And the reason I was gone last week, and Peter really took to his role to Host the point takeover. that he you went after hard. I know. We, he, I think we even edited some comments out. Really. Yeah, the really Peter, the aggressive stuff is gone. I mean, I think Peter's had his eye on my job for, for, <laughs> yeah. here, for a minute here. It's always been my dream. Yeah. <laughs> Podcast host. <laughs> so the reason I was gone last week is I was in Japan for two weeks for my brother's wedding. He got married to my lovely sister-in-law, who is Japanese, and we ate so much Japanese candy while we were there. They really have a gummy thing over there. They love gummy candy. And every seven, first of all, 7-Eleven's there. 7-Elevens and Lawson's Is that, are, wait, that, it's actually called 7-Eleven? It's actually called 7-Eleven, although some of them are called 7 and I Holdings, but they're the same <laughs> logo as 7-Eleven, which is super weird. I think 7-Eleven, like, combined with some local something. Yeah. And they're really good. Like, you know how 7-Eleven here, like, it's those gross hot dogs, like, on the road. So is it like pins. a bodega here? Is a 7-Eleven there? Kind of, yeah. And they're, and, or a Lawson's. And they have onigiri, which are those little rice balls that you'd actually eat. Like, they're good. Yeah. And they have such good candy. And there's also Family Mart. And at Family Mart, they have Fami Chicky, which is, it's like a little fried chicken. Fami Chicky? Yeah, it's called Fami Chicky. And it's like a <laughs> fried chicken that is really good. So, doesn't um, sound bad. Yeah. So, while I was in Japan, I got a lot of tasty candy and I brought it back and we ate it all already. So then I just yeah, went down the street in New York City. There are several actual Japanese candy stores. Well, they're like Japanese supermarkets called Dinobu. Really? Yeah. So, 
this is good for you. The part of the reason Peter's here is that he asked me to bring him candy back, but I didn't get the email until I was already back. <laughs> After she got back. And, I felt and then really in the bad. office, we ate it really fast. We ate it really fast because it's really good. So, because your wife likes Loves Japanese candy. any candy from other countries. Just that's when we go somewhere to another country, she's very excited. Specifically, to, it's the candy. About yeah. the candy. Well, so this is an import shop. They have all kinds of stuff. Does it count, though? For I think Christmas, so. I can't decide if it... I think it doesn't does. really matter. It's still from Japan. It has another think, language on the wrapper. I know, right. but didn't it seem more thoughtful when I asked a coworker to bring home? Did you already tell her that Jackie didn't bring no. you any? So claim that there I brought. Yeah, I can't build this marriage online. I mean, it's already. <laughs> I can't build this marriage <laughs> online. <laughs> you can tell her that I'm a terrible friend. You could just tell her the exact story. <laughs> Jackie and bought I... some and then ate it when she found out it was for you. And yes. Now it's gone. And now it's gone. The other thing that you can do. This is a really. I'm going to look it up right now. Japan. If yes, you're going to okay. say import it, Peter's cheapness is going to no, 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 not no. stand for importing. No, can just actually, walk so there, um, this week, a place called Japan Village opened in Industry City, Brooklyn. And oh, it is apparently a massive Japanese grocery store, but it also has restaurants in it. I'm oh. super excited to check it out. My it Japanese friend mentioned up? it to me. It, no, it's, it's a, permanent. It's permanent. It says it's an, no, I'm going there. an Italy-like food hall. So if you know what Italy is, it's a Mario Batali. Isn't Mario Batali involved in that? I mean, he was. He's, he's, yeah, he's back. No, he's right. Yeah. Because he's, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's not a... Not good. But also the other, <laughs> the other guy, his partner, Boston, Bastianich, Bastianich. Yeah. Yes. Am I right? Um, I bet he listens and he's probably super offended. We didn't get like, you guys own I'm the, I'm actually the more important. <laughs> so this is in Brooklyn, New York. If you're coming to New York City for the ball drop and you're really into Japanese food, maybe check it out. It's called Japan Village. Let's eat some candy. It All right. Gross. So let's eat some candy. I brought these. These are Kit Kats. They're obsessed with Kit Kats in Japan. My brother sends them to me constantly. Oh, right. He sent these a couple years ago. Are these yes. the green tea? Yes. These are green tea Kit Kats. My brother sent these to me previously. Here's one. Uh, and here's one for you. He's also sent me, they have bakeable Kit Kats there that you can probably buy online. So for, the, the, a Wait, lot like of this you, you can buy on Amazon. Home? Yeah, you bake them. Oh, you... No, you, you microwave an existing Kit Kat. You microwave them in this little, like, you know, like those hot pocket like hot packs pocket that like yeah. crisp them up. Yes. You microwave them in that. One I got was like a sweet potato y one. Can't and you bake this. those and they're good. You can't eat it. I don't know. I'm nervous. You're nervous. It's You're great. like the opposite of your wife. Yeah. It's well, candy. Well, except for the nervousness. What's it going to do? <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's pretty nervous. Mmm. Uh, I think that's good. It's not as gross I even, as I thought. I don't like green tea that much, but I like this. It's mm-hmm. a good mix with the wafer inside. Mm-hmm. Green tea Kit Kats. It's not These are pretty good. It's not, disgu- of course it's not disgusting. No, but green tea and chocolate don't feel like flavors that mix to me. But I think these are technically matcha ones. I can't read Japanese, unfortunately. You weren't there long enough. Whoa. This says Kyoto times Nestle Uji Matcha Project. <laughs> so glad it says I don't know that. what that means. I um, This does leave a gross aftertaste of tea leaves. All right, like if you... If you accidentally drink the swill at the bottom of a tea, it tastes kind of like that. Oh, I taste yeah. it. I like that, kind of. I love seeing what they decide to write in English on these wrappers. So the uh-huh. back of, I don't know if they're all the same, the back of mine says, good job, with the thumbs up. <laughs> and then underneath it says, underneath that it says, here's something that didn't, was lost in translation, have a break, have a Kit Kat. So here, it's not quite as good of a jingle. So <laughs> the good job thing, my brother actually told me this, and if you are Japanese and speak Japanese and you want to correct me, please do that, but... My brother is an English teacher and a translator in Japan. And what he told me is that Kitokato, which is like the Japanese version of Kit Kat, sounds like the word for good job. 
So people actually give Kit Kats as like a good luck on your test or like it's like a good luck thing or like a you did a a congratulation thing. So we'll give instead of bonuses for like, great story. (laughs) (laughs) If I made a Kit Kat. I'm just stopping this Kit Kat. Good web post. Kit Kat. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I ate the whole thing. And I didn't break the two halves apart. I just... I didn't either, right and I noticed it, which that Peter I feel kind of bad about. Yeah, you got to break them. Yeah, you should. I don't know what I was thinking. We're we're in testing mode. All right, Hi Chew, mm-hmm. since that's the closest one to you. So, Hi Chew, you guys tasted. You did not. No, maybe you did. I don't the, think um, I was. I think they were gone by the time I got back. Mm. So, in Japan, they have Hi Chew Premium that you can again. You can probably look for any of these <laughs> things on Amazon because I've bought lots of Japanese stuff on Amazon. They have Hi Chew Premium. Thank which you. are like softer high chews with a liquidy center. Is high chew a candy I should be familiar with? Oh, this is the one that was purple when you brought it. It was before. purple. Oh, that those, was the best. Wasn't it that amazing? Was so good. Yeah, that was one of the candies. Oh, I like the smell. That of this. I thought. So there's a lot of grape and melon Japanese candy. They really like grape, melon, sweet potato, all that kind of stuff. So I got grape. Grape was the kind I brought home. This feels like communion waiting for you guys to get yours open. <laughs> you I was can... about to eat it. I was like, no, I should be, I should be patient. <laughs> Let's do it. All right, you let's can... go. Okay. Who takes a bite of a haichu? What if it's a disgusting haichu, but it's not. <laughs> it's so small, <laughs> it's though. It's so good. Okay, but it's good. I bet a mm. Japanese person would savor it. You just don't know how to eat like an international. Clearly you don't. <laughs> I forgot how much I like gummy things. Right? I'm not well, really a candy person, but... I'm still savoring. So we, we like these, yes? Yeah, they're yeah. really good. They're really good. They taste really grapey. They have so many flavors of them, too. Is this the best flavor? How many flavors did you sample in Japan? That's what I, I so the Haichu Premium, I only sampled the grape, and they have like Musket, which is like a sweeter grape. Those oh, are, there's those like are, a wine made from that, right? Yeah, those are really good too. Because I was too busy eating, and that transitions to our next one, <laughs> the Pure Gummies. These are, I think, that oh, the, here's a Musket one. This is a Muscat Pure Gummy. Oh, um, so great. I thought that was melon when I saw the green. I'm much more excited for so the ones I brought back, I brought back some cantaloupe flavored pure, That's, and I yeah. believe they're new, and they were my favorite. I thought they're really good, and I don't like cantaloupe really. Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't do it because I don't like cantaloupe. So here's the muscat ones. If These they ever sell, gummies. are muscat the teeny grapes? I think that's Concord. I don't know. I, don't know. I think oh, Concord is the small. There's champagne grapes too. They just at the farmers market a couple years ago. Oh, we I noticed my mouth sold already. these tiny things, and they Not were waiting. so good. Hmm. I feel like my teeth hurt already. Mm-hmm. I'm not getting a lot of flavor yet. Mm. Oh, wait, there it is. You know what's funny is I feel like those aren't as good as the ones in Japan. Because of the same flavor? Well, first of all, they didn't have the cantaloupe ones there at this store, which the cantaloupe ones were clearly Dinoboo, that's what's called. Clear, Dinoboo. The cantaloupe ones were clearly the best flavor. And I feel like they had like kind of more liquidy center. They didn't did have they? a liquidy center. They did. I and remember these noticing don't. that in the picture because I was surprised. Yeah. Huh. Well, Maybe these are not as they're up still to date. Good. Yeah, they're still good. They're <laughs> Those still ones good. also said 30% up. Oh, that's bag. true. These don't say 30% up. So I wonder if those are like premium pures and these are not premium pures. So that's if you you're know a country's buy- taking its candy seriously, so there's like a premium edition. Right. Of that's every what candy. I'm saying. I mean, first of all, in Japan, they take everything seriously. So I mean, it makes sense that they would take candy seriously, but they've decided on gummy candy and they are good at it. We have that here, though. It's like premium chocolate is disgusting high-end chocolate with gross things mixed in. But it's like made by the with same gross people. Things it's like it, it's like if Hershey's had like Hershey's milk chocolate and then Hershey's premium milk chocolate. I not like the Mass do. Brothers where they throw leaves of violet in or something disgusting. <laughs> Give me a chocolate. It's so terrible. They do put weird stuff. Just in to them. be fancy. It's not necessary. Chocolate's yeah. good. Yeah. Ah. Just and cheap chocolate is good. Okay, guys. Yeah. 
All right, and then this is, we actually have some leftover. Oh, I thought we were done. I'm excited there's more. <laughs> These are actually from Japan. These are leftover from the actual Japanese candy. These are called tough gummies. These are my boyfriend's favorite. And they, he's tough. He's tough. And they're tough. You have to chew them a lot. It's even so worse for a Do you have a color recommendation? I think they're supposed to be like purpley blue ones are good. If there's any of those in there. I think these uh, ones are... Teal? Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, I'll try that. This is like a teal. This one's like a brown one. Yeah, oh, these, yeah. These don't chew easily. No. No, I, I went brown with Jackie. Sorry, I was going for yellow, but brown came out. It's like a rock with sugar on it. <laughs> I don't really like these because they're too chewy. I like that about it. If it's you a did challenge. Have, it's going to have a lot of money. You can compete with these. Buy these. Why? This would take you, you like an hour. Yeah. It's like an everlasting Or if you're on like a diet, you're trying to stop eating candy. I'm already done with mine. Is it that what? hard for you guys? Kevin, I still haven't bitten. You're gonna took like three bites. I swear. You're gonna like choke. No, it's already down. I'm fine. <laughs> I kind of like it. It's too much work, but I like it. <laughs> Most food is too much work. Mm -hmm. There's one line on this bag that's in it's red, tasty, and it but it looks too much like work. a warning, but I can't read it. It's concerning to me. It's probably like no. chew with more than three bites. Yeah, Kevin. yeah it's, no, it's <laughs> probably choking like, hazard. It's probably as like do not give to children with like loose teeth or something. <laughs> so the way we always end this is, would you buy this? But I think maybe we should just say, what was your favorite? My favorite, because I went to Japan and it's, oh. it's not here, is the cantaloupe flavored pure gummy. I like that you introduced an outsider. Up. What's your favorite of what's on the table, guys? Well, my Mine is something else. Shut up. My favorite <laughs> of what's on the table is still not on the table. It's the Haichu Great Premium. But yeah, so sorry. Keep going. The Haichu Great Premium that we had before Peter got any. You're uh, terrible. <laughs> was so good. That's what you get for being mean to me on the podcast. I wasn't mean. I just was You said it was better without me. That's what you said. <laughs> yeah. I actually like the tough ones. I think they I were could good. stretch out a bit, that whole bag in there, yeah. I like the high chews, and I haven't even had the premium. But I like the tough ones, too. This is good. All right. I'm going to go buy some and good tell idea. her they came from Japan. I, well, just don't let her listen to the podcast. Yeah, I'm sure she doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's our show, y'all. The Most Useful Podcast Ever is produced by the staff of Popular Mechanics and edited by Brandcasters, Inc. at www.brandcastingu.com. We'd like to thank Bettina Warshaw and Andy Bowers from Panoply and Popular Mechanics Editor-in-Chief Ryan D'Agostino. Please subscribe to our show on iTunes. And while you're there, leave us a comment. We'd love to know what you think. And if you want to read more about life hacks, projects, science, and technology, check out our website, popularmechanics.com. While you're there, you can subscribe to the print and digital edition of Popular Mechanics magazine for just $13.99 a year. I'm Jacqueline Detweiler. Thanks for listening. <laughs>